sharing huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite of the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. How's it? How are we doing, folks? Welcome back. It's Andrew Needling, and I'll be your host. This is Moving the Needle podcast. Hey, if you're new to the show, thanks so much for downing this one. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, this episode is actually part two with the legendary Kurt Vores. So make sure what you do is if you haven't listened to part one, go back. It's the previous episode. It is so good. We have a great time. I really looked up to Kurt, as you'll see in the episode. He speaks about the heyday of downhill, um, really tough upbringing, to go on to be one of the world's fastest downhill racers. But, you know, he wasn't satisfied with that. He progressed into free ride. He moved away from racing. He's got so many cool stories, and he's still pushing the limits of mountain biking. He's so fun on Instagram. So, again, this is part two of the episode with Kurt Vores, and if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go do that first. All right, enjoy. And that's how I saw that more people wanted to do the free ride thing, more people wanted to jump, more people wanted to not necessarily race as much. So that's why I liked about that time. And you know, I see it now. It everything that I that I learned on the road is kind of happening now you know, with how the sport's going. And being a little bit of a trendsetter, a lot of one and maybe ahead of the curve and it's the timing wasn't there and then the, the sport caught up to you. And now learning all that from a racer, demo, building teams, youngsters, what, say two things. So what do you feel you've learned and what would you change about the mountain bike industry if you could, if you could like? I've been trying to get this going. This is what, this is what I think will save downhill racing because at, at heart i'm a downhiller like i love downhilling and if anybody if when you ask me what i am i'm gonna, I'm gonna say i'm a downhiller that's you know not a free rider not a, like i i always used to think that free ride stuff was a joke you know like tippy all those guys back in the day i'm like Look at these fucking guys skidding down these hills just on their by have four fingers on the brake just <laughs> skidding down these hills I'm like, what in the hell is this shit? We race World Cup downhills. I'm hitting stuff gnarlier than this in a race. You know what I mean? It was like, I looked at that stuff and I was like, what in the hell? I am a downhiller. And I still look at that like that. And even though free ride got to this point, you know, where it's all celebrated, I'm still like, that stuff's way kooky back then. You know, and I, and I still, I, I have respect for it now just because of where it's gone and, and what I've, what I've seen it happen with it. But in the end, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'll always be a, a downhiller. So my, my, um, my view on the industry right now, we have Enduro. Enduro's awesome. And you know who Enduro's awesome for? Sven. Because Sven, Enduro's all about photos. Photos are unbelievable for Enduro. You can't watch it on video. It's not like you're going to sit and watch, wait Sunday morning at five in the morning and crack a beer to watch the World Cup downhill. You're not going to do that with Enduro. You're not going to watch the time splits, all this stuff. And and the money, what I tell these guys that are riding out their um, rampage guys or their downhill, I said the money's in the small bikes because they only make so many downhill bikes. Like Intense or whatever probably makes 200 bikes, and they sell them off for 400, whatever it is. There's not that many bikes. But – as far as like an enduro bike, they're making 20,000 of these things. So to me, I feel like the way to save, the way to save 
uh, downhillers, um, you know, uh, make a living for downhillers is introduce a small bike class. I really think World Cup downhill needs a small bike class, which is like, you know, 180 to 190 mil travel. You have two different classes. You split up the class. So there's not 70 riders in the in big bike, right? It's only 40 and 40 or whatever. You know, you do 80 riders, 40 and 40. And small bike, big bike. When you're young, you come into the small bike class. You really? It's kind of like moto, huh? Now, now think about this as far as the industry. Now, if a dude on a small bike pulls off a time that's close to the big bike, that sells a shit ton of these bikes. These guys riding the small bikes are going to make a bunch of money because they're selling those bikes, right? A lot of the money's going into enduro, and you think about all the enduro teams. Like, there's so much money going into enduro right now, and teams that you'll probably never, and riders you'll probably never even see on there that are taking, there's a, you know, a lot of that money's going in there. Yeah, so much is going in. I don't think it's, you can't say that just because they're riding on a small bike, it sells small bikes. I mean, you speak to, I've been with these big teams and these corporate in the meeting, like, yes, they don't sell that many downhill bikes. Take a Trek or whoever, take a Scott that I'm on yeah. now. Like, but there's a reason they have a downhill team. It's like the F1. It's the fastest you can go on a bike and it builds a brand from like the top down. So, yeah, it is tough when you see too, a lot going enduro, but there's some incredible athletes there, don't get me wrong. But does that incredible athlete, if he's barely getting seen on TV or they're just looking at it, does he sell the bike? I don't, I don't know. But, I mean, coming from, you know, like, I, I've been so dislocated from World Cup downhill race, and I watch it. I watch it on, on um, this computer thing. And uh, I just, from from my perspective, I, I really feel like there needs to be that. I mean, I would think that would bring back excitement too. Like, can you imagine like somebody going down just pinned on a on a smaller travel bike like that, and just make a two classes, and then it would. I think it would definitely, as far as athlete salaries, I as for downhill, I think downhill would get a little bit more, and it would produce the bikes would even. That little bit of money that the small bike would bring or the big amount of money that the small bike would bring would help the big bike. It would produce it into something even more. And you know what I'm saying? So I, I, that's one thing I think that mountain biking could use right now. Something like that. Something to stimulate that, that part of downhill, which it, I don't – you know, and I don't think it's lacking. I don't think downhill is lacking in like people who want to see it. But as far as sponsorship and riders getting paid deep – I think that that would help. I love it. I mean, it's just something different. It's like outside the box thinking and, and you have to try it. You can't just do the same old. It's in a great place. Don't get me wrong. Like, what do you, yeah, what do you make of the new school races and stuff? Like, if you still tune in because you're a super fan and I love it too, I still watch it. I mean. Well, I love the Raws, all the Raw stuff, watching Cade. And those, like, those dudes are just my chaos. Like, those guys blow my mind. I love watching, especially the younger kids who like to have fun. And it reminds me of you guys, you know, it, it reminds like me, me being in the, in the downhills in 94, 95, 96, we were trying little stuff like that like hit a little jump, do a little gap. But you know, it wasn't, it, I see when you guys came in, you guys started putting more of that when I would see the raws and I wasn't racing those races, I would see you cracking flatties during the race and during, you know, first fan or whoever it was doing, doing the, the photos or the videos, you know? So now I watch it and there's some there's some major talent out there and then you can go on those guys' Instagrams and be like, Whoa, these guys are blowing my mind. So the state of where it's at is is awesome and, and um the real the 
the uh, real gauge I see is the BMXers. You know, a lot of the BMXers are are getting into it. I ride Big Bear, um, you know, in the summers a lot. I'll come down from Bend and uh, go to Big Bear, and it's insane the level X Games dudes that are out there on mountain bikes. Really? You know what I mean? Even street dudes, you know, like Devin Smiley, like he's like a, a full tech ledge kid. I went and rode trail with them, kills it. Like all the Gary Young, you know, like they're, they're riding mountain bikes, like downhill bikes or trail bikes. Like what? Loving it. You know, Tony Hamlin, Tony Hamlin's like this, this, uh, Hessian shredder from like the East coast or somewhere. And, you know, he's, he's been out riding, you know, and they're, and some of these guys, a lot of the BMXers are smaller dudes too. And they're on 29ers and just doing like downside whips. And it's, I mean, just looking rowdy. And I'm like, this is what we need. We need this, this kind of um, stimulation to, to really get our sport, you know. I mean, and how much bigger can we get biking? Biking's so big, it's insane. But, like, it's cool to see, um, you know, our sport just, you know, being accepted and, um, you know, thrive, you know, thriving for sure. No, it is. I mean, it's like in our country, it's like the fastest growing sport, mountain bikes. It's pretty, like, lycra-based, but it's so cool to see. But you... You mentioned like the young kids, they must just, you know, they remind you of yourself. And I, I mean, it is, of course, you either want to aspire to be the best or someone mm-hmm. that's entertaining, funny, adds value. And you've done that. And for someone of your age, and I don't mean to be disrespect, disrespectful, but like at 46 and you're like, I, I love Instagram. Like you've embraced uh, almost like yeah. a young man's social media. And, and it seems like you can bring out your creativity into the world. Well, I, you know, I, I've, it's something that I've always, that's how I got sponsored is by showing somebody what I can do, you know, on a video. So for me, for me, it's huge. It's, it's important. And, you know, it gave me, it gave me another, you know, another chance at this, you know, it, it lets me, there's so many stupid little things that I can do that I can show kids and it keeps me in the sport. It keeps me, you know, living this lifestyle, which I, which I, uh, man, I, I love, I love thinking of ideas. I'm always constantly going, oh God, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do next? You know? And, and, um, I do, I love the platform. I love being able to, to do this and, and see what other people are doing too. So I think it's, uh, it's definitely, it's changed my, it changed my perspective on things. And it made me go like, you know, the, I, that whole free ride thing. And you know, you're from that era too, where you're like these fucking free riders, you know what I mean? Like back then I couldn't show, I was doing so much with the tour and racing that I couldn't do that stuff that they were doing because I didn't have the time. And I felt like I always felt like I could have done it, you know, way better. They just, they took all that sponsorship, you know, it was just this, you know, this, this uh, ego thing. Right. And now I'm like, you know what, this is your chance. If you, if you think that you're better or you have more to offer, here's your Instagram, come on, step it up. And that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to, you know, get out all that what I missed when I had the tour, you know, because that's when free ride really rose. And a lot of those guys, bear cloud, all those guys were in the videos and, you know, most of my video parts, they're all like, okay, I'll stop by and try to make it happen. You know, I never, all those video parts were just like, I was always just kind of trying to make it. So I, I look back and I go, you know what, I'm going to do it myself and, and make everything what I want it to be and, and show people what I want to show them, not have to worry about my sponsors paying for the video to get out and, you know, who's going to edit it right. I'm, I'm so stoked where the sport's at now. 
I wish I was a little bit younger. My body, right? Well, Not yeah, mind, yeah. But, my... but I mean, there's something cool about being 46 and, in, and inspiring, like you say, like, hey, don't stop at 30. Whether it's World Cup riders or someone, you know, I was listening to a bit with Nyquist and he's like, you know, don't, you don't have to do the craziest shit like you did when you were 20, but there was a reason you rode bikes. Like, just go, yeah. like, be a weekend, not a weekend warrior, but, like, just try it. Like, you, I mean, I, every time I go for a ride now, and it's a little bit less than when I was racing, because I don't have to train, I'm not on the bike constantly, but I still ride a lot. And every time I come back from a ride, I'm like, that was a good decision. Like, I never come back from, you know, oh, that was a bad ride, you know. But I, what's, yeah. what's interesting is you, you mentioned the word ego, and it's come up quite a bit with you. And, it, and you, it seems like you're aware that that's a driving force. And I think that's refreshing for you to be like, yeah, there's ego involved. Like, why else do we do some of these things? I want to show these kids that I could do it so that I've got credibility so that I can push the sport. But how do you manage that and not get yourself in trouble or get hurt? It's hard, you know, even in relationships that I've had, you know, it's like um, letting the ego down, you know, being so competitive, you know, if it's a girl, like what if, other girl be like, why are you so competitive? I'm like, what do you think I do for a living? I got to like, I got to be better than the next guy so I can get paid or, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's part of my life. Um, and you know, a lot of my, my ego is weird because I don't mind. I, I, I like to like crash and do stuff, you know, like my ego is not about being on the podium. You know, I'm like, I like to make people laugh and, and do stuff like that. So, um, it is, it is hard. It's hard to get away from your ego. It really is. And, and, you know, like we were talking about, um, you know, the hardest part of racing is keeping your mind, keeping your mind, um, on the bike and, and keeping it into that. And, you know, another part is ego is not thinking you're, you know, always the best or, or that you need stuff a certain way. Um, especially with your bike stuff, with your mechanics, things like that, you know, that stuff will, that stuff will kill you in the end, you know, the, if you're just the guy that you think you need everything just because you're doing well, you know, the, those, those times will take you out. But I think ego is a good thing if you can guide it. Like if you can it manage really it. Yeah. I mean, you can't get away yeah. from it. It's, it's a driving force to help you get to the top or to reach your goals. But I think, and it's, it comes up a lot and that's maybe another tangent to understand the ego, what you do when you retire and you lose your identity and lack of a better words. And I think many people that are goal-driven, the ego gets them to the top. But if it's not managed, like you say, if you're not, if you're just always expecting and demanding shit when you're at the top, eventually you're going to be second, third, not at the top, still demanding. You're going to get fired. If you feel, yeah. if you feel, ah, you know, I have to beat a guy, but your skill level on that day isn't up to top notch, you're going to get hurt. You're going to crash if you don't manage. It's yeah. such a balancing act. It is hard. Well, I mean, Lopes is a, a big example. Um, you know, a lot of people give Lopes shit and he's, they're like, you know, Lopes is dick. Like, you know, he's, he's stuck up, arrogant, things like that. But if that, I think that the problem with Lopes is he, he, uh, his ego from racing, um, he has to have that as a protection in a way. But if you know Lopes, he's one of the nicest dudes. If you're friends with him, he is like, you know, he'll call you out of the blue. Like he's, he is a solid dude. Um, and even when you're racing with him, it was funny. Like he, he just, he never really told you he was going to beat you. He just did stuff in front of you and showed you, 
you know, uh, Palmer, different, different kind of ego, you know, like, so egos do help. They do help, but then they hurt you in some ways. If you're the best and you know, you're the best people, people will give you a lot of shit. And then it's hard. It's hard later on in life to, you know, to catch back up with that. Yeah. Like you, you use it, you use it and it helps with your your confidence if you can believe in yourself. And then there's different ways of showing it. And for sure, no, Lopes is, he was so good to me, but I could see why you rub people the wrong way. And it, it was, it was a coping mechanism is how he performed. And, and that is tough in sport because you use the ego. You got to like show confidence, even when you feel, you know, nervous inside in the start gate or say things that, you know, to, I, I, I see it happen all the time. Ever since I've retired, you know, and I hang around with the guys and it's like, it's, it becomes very like, I can do this. Oh, I can also do that. And it was from back in the day, you know, we're all competing against each other to get rides get podiums yeah we yeah. can share beers you know with your mates afterwards but i i'm like shit and i still like get caught up with it when i go on a trip and i meet the guys again and then you know you're like oh do i need to do that jump well he's done it so i can do it and it's a fascinating topic yeah i wonder how it is too in your position like in your position um doing announcing and things like that you kind of have to be uh you know, you kind of have to have a universal friendship with everyone, but you know how it is racing. You kind of go to your little people, like you got your dude that you rode with or, or your little group of guys. And then everybody else, you kind of might, you know, it was, you're against those guys. You know, I mean, I remember PD, me, you know, a lot of people don't know this, um, from racing back in the day, but I remember me, PD and, and like Warner, it was like, all against like the the EPO guys or the people that we thought were on drugs or whatever, you know what I mean? Because we're all beer drinker partiers, you know, and and we had our own little group and we all partied together and did our things. And, you know, other people come in, but there's like really only a group of four people um, that we kind of kept with. And and that was that even made our egos even bigger. (laughs) Yeah, that's I hear you. Well, you see us walking down. I, I remember just Palmer, like even seeing Palmer and if it was Palmer and Petey or Palmer and me walking down the pits, people would just be looking out of the pits like, oh, fuck, I hope they don't stop by or, oh, fuck, I hope they stop by. You know what I mean? It was just that's uh, that's that's what, you know, we were cry- trying to create. And I think a lot of, you know, I, I just wondering if that's still kind of like it is now, you know. Just because I haven't been to the World Cup yeah, in so I mean, long. Yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot more guys are getting on, and I spoke to Cedric about it. I think he's done a lot of reflection and maybe got a bad rep in the beginning of his career and being the showman, and we all knew, like, some of it maybe wasn't true, but I think he's come around a lot. And he was like, it's it's cool to see, but he does think it's because those, like, say the French riders grew up riding together. So they've, mm-hmm. like, been able to race and compete together and there's a rivalry, but it's quite friendly. They can share a beer, like you could share a beer with yeah. Palmer or Cedric Petey. Cedric could bounce, so he could bounce back and forth yeah. between people. Oh, 100%. He was good. He was good like yeah, that. 100%. And then, um, so like the guys at the races, for sure there's ego and there's rivalries, but it's in a it's in a good place, especially with the Frenchies. You think, oh, okay, you know, they're too serious, but they've kind of learned from the past generation. And back to your thing about the commentary, yeah, that I think the toughest thing, is exactly that is I've got to give an unbiased opinion. I am friends. I'd like to be friends with everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not competing anymore. I'm competing with myself to deliver the best product I can 
to big up the riders. And that's this podcast as well. Like, let's have a chat. Let's get to know who yeah. these guys are and let's expose them to the listeners. And then hopefully the listeners get value. And the same as the commentary, like the challenge is I'm going to have to say the honest truth if I feel there's a reason you didn't perform or, yeah. you know, like, but in a nice way, like I want everyone to get a fair shot. I'm not going to say, oh, that's a shit line or you did, you know, like, not like that. I'm not going to play you down. But if I say, okay, he's been struggling with a bike, it's going to be tough for him to perform this week. That's just how I feel. And, and I, might, I might lose some people in the process, but I'm trying to deliver a fair product to the listener. I wish it was Andrew 10 years ago. You'd be like, what the hell line was he? Oh, God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, be a little bit more like, okay, yeah, that was nice. You know, <laughs> no, like I'm, I'm going to be myself and can, and I'm, I'm learning like where the line is, but for sure in the very far future with my brother's help and maybe you and no one to keep happy, we could have a lot of fun. Definitely. The, yeah, the, that's what the, the sport. The sport needs. I, I'm not going to be too PC, you know, because fuck. Yeah. If you don't like it, that's you're getting defensive about the truth. Because I'll say like this: Aaron Gwynn was not as prepared for last season as he probably needed to be, but it was also out of his control. That's just a fact. That doesn't. I'm not judging his skill. I don't understand why he doesn't take. You know, the problem I have with Gwynn, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Gwynn fan. You know, just of his writing and stuff, but. I feel like he he's a little arrogant in the way of like I can live in SoCal and beat you guys, and I'm like, dude, like I don't understand why if you're trying to chase something and be the best at it, why wouldn't you go live somewhere and train in gnarly shit? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like really, like you know, go live somewhere where it is gnarly. SoCal's not the best place to train. It's good. There's some good stuff, and you could ride all the time, but. For World Cup training, it's not that good. No, I mean, and that's yeah. a fact. That's not like a hurtful thing to say. And I think that's why I say like it was out of his control because if he could get yeah. out of the country better because of COVID, he might have gone earlier for like this small season. And then in other seasons, he's just backing himself. Like you say, he's like, well, I can do my prep great here and I feel like I'm getting used to the tracks by the second race. Or yeah. that, That's just his strategy. Great. But factually, last year, I'll just say, wasn't as prepared and it showed. But also it was out of his control. And that's just an unbiased feeling I have, I feel. But if he, if he takes offense to that, I'm sorry, but I respect Aaron Gwynn. I know he can win mm. again and at a dominant level, as can all these guys. And that's just oh, what yeah. I'm going to say, you know? Man, when you watch, yeah, you're, the level is, it's, it's pretty awesome to see how many dudes can, can attack the top five. You know, there's, there's 20 dudes that are, that can pop it off. Like it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, that, that dedication, I, I'm, I'm a, a real into dedication, you know, like PD, Menar, those guys, they've done what it takes and, and go to the places they need to go to train. You know, you see they're doing their training camps or they're in Spain, they're all over the place doing their training camps. And, and I feel like that, if you're going to be at top level, especially if you're making a lot of money and you're, you're toting, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm making this much money. I'm the best, blah, blah, blah. Then I feel like you should do the work myself. And that's where I kind of like cut back. I'm like, Oh man, I really like these guys. But if you're not really, you know, hammering out the work and it's to me, I, I feel like you should, you should chase it as far as you can, you know? Yeah, but definitely. And what do you make? But of, it's, hey, it's, 
It, but it shows. It shows in the results, and you see these young guys, man. They're just coming up, man. They're they're nipping away. Yeah, they're chomping at the bit. What do you make of Manar's longevity? I just, you know what? I, I it's that thing. If you just keep like I I think with Manar, he just kept at it. You know, he just kept doing it and 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 kept focused. And that's I I feel like Manar when he wakes up, that's what he thinks about is riding his downhill bike, and you could see it. You could see it in him riding and and, and it, it really is man when i watch him i'm like whoa you know because a few years ago let's say like five five seven years ago when he rode you can see it was more and and menar i feel like changed his riding style once he got on to santa cruz he started riding like pd a little bit more before that menar was popping everything he was yeah yeah his his riding styles changed over the years and he's definitely yeah, and that VP, you have to ride it like you can't pop around on it. You just sit into it and just let it ride. And I feel like he adopted a little bit of Petey's riding style of, you know, keep that thing on the ground and just, you know, just get it done. Mm. And um, I noticed this past couple years, you see that front end drifting. You see that he's pushing. Like he's really pushing. He's not just riding that thing anymore like he did five, six years ago. Now he's like, man, I've really got to go on the edge. And I feel like the races that I've seen, he he's like, I'm going, he's like riding like these kids. Like he's definitely taking chances. And and there's a couple races where he could have let it go a few times. And that's that's rare for Menard to be like, oh my God, look at that mistake. Oh my God, you know? So Yeah, it's uncanny. He's got a serious drive to be competitive still, huh? Yeah, and some people are just made. I mean, look at him. He's a beautiful human. Like he's just, everything's just perfect. <laughs> I feel like nature intends these things. They make it all perfect. Like, and he's just that he, everything just dripped in and built him up and made him perfect. Like he's just, he's that, he's that good of a rider. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's the best of what mountain biking has produced. Yeah. I do think like he's naturally got a really good mental game. I know he works on it. I know he's like methodical with his preparation, but for sure there's something chemically like when the chips are down, he like, like just is even more calm in a weird way. And I feel yeah. maybe me and you, when it gets a little bit too much pressure, then it just shits the bed, you know, and that's what you got to manage and you can train that. But for me, I just feel like he needs the pressure. So that's just how yeah. I, I just think naturally he's got that bit a little bit better than a lot. And then his work ethic, yeah. dedication, it, it's years, man. The guy has been at it for years and he was always sneaky about his training and stuff. He was always training as hard or harder so he's got like yeah. the physical ability beyond beyond that definitely yeah that's yeah he's a, he's definitely a good ambassador for our sport being being the best for sure but uh i man i really i want to get i want to get up to a world cup i just love i love watching them they're awesome just being a part of it i would love to you know go somewhere in europe and, and go to a big world cup again what about um, what about coming on an episode and we do some bench racing like after a race? If you watch one, then we can. Right. You want to break it down with me? One of them? That'd be a fun one. I'd love that. All right. That'd cool. Be I was just thinking about that now. Like we're gonna go at it when the season kicks off. I'm really, yeah. I'm really stoked on uh, where racing is at. You know, there's when back in the late '90s. You no, know, I could race every weekend all year like there are so many races like you could race you know there's downhill manias there's the world cups there's um there was uh you know norbas we had all our local races and there's there's always time to race um and i you know now it's rad having the crankworks like i think for 
for like me and you, um, we kind of miss that boat a little bit. Like I wish I, I was young right now, like 22. Can you imagine being 22, being a good rider and being able, you can go to all the crank works, you know, without the COVID stuff, but yeah. being able to hit all that and make that money, I would be, I'd be doing whip off. I'd be doing like everything I possibly could. Yeah. And, you would be great. You would have been great at a crank works back in the day, huh? Right. Like a like, Mitch Rappalotto. I wish he, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Mitch, now we could talk about Mitch as another one, like one of the most talented dudes. I think Mitch kind of, I, I think he has a mind like me. It just, it's always just like, woo, you know, just like, oh, look at that, look at that over there, oh, bird, I'm going, woo, you know, he's just always, but he's one of the fast, like, besides Lopes, I think he's one of the fastest pedal, like, sprinters and in and out of corners, like, yeah. he, he reminded me of a young Lopes, like, I was like, that was Lopes when, you know, like, Mitch is, Mitch is wide open, but he just doesn't have a, you know, that shut off. Yeah. And that makes me think, like you spoke about some of the youngsters you've had and your upbringing into where you are now and then the traditional route like Lopes. What, have you thought about like what makes someone achieve like status as a pro? Like wh what is that ingredient you need to make it? You know, because there's guys that have talent. The guys can ride the shit out of a bike, but they do, do not make it. And some of them did want to. I'm not saying the guys that said, you know what, it's not for me. And there's no judgment there. Mm -hmm. but like what do you think is that that like driving force when some guys make it and some guys don't i feel like you get in where you fit in and some people like it's hard to get better it, when you your first couple years like your first year you're going to be like okay figuring it out but after the first like maybe two years you're kind of stuck into where you're at you're going to be your number seven and that's where you're going to be. And you're going to float around. You maybe go down to fourth. You maybe, you know, have some bad ones. But you'll be number seven, and that's where you're at. Um, I think uh, the the winner has always been the winner. You know what I mean? He's always had that drive. And you know those kids. You know, you know young guys when you see them on the track that you're like, oh, man, look at that speed. Like, they're fearless. You know that guy's going to step it up. But then you're like, maybe he's a little too fearless. He's not going to get to that point. So I, I, I really feel like you have it or you don't, and it's hard to build it. It really is in anything. You gotta, you gotta come in like, you gotta come in swinging, and it's it's hard to to get past that. Even you know training, mind work, all that stuff will get you that much better. But to be, if you're always in the 15s, it's going to be hard to get out of the 15s all the way there. So I, I think mindset just comes in and, and if you're going to make it, it's, it's, it's kind of just who you are. If you're, if you're that tenacious of a person and you don't want to lose, you're going to make it happen. So then you are saying that like you would back someone that's just like so dedicated than like a talented person. Like if you can, would you, who would you back? You know, like the guy that shows a lot of talent or the guy that's like, I ain't giving up. Like who are you gonna back? I've always, I've always kind of. Well, the guy. Here's okay. Here's a here's a good uh, um, example. When I sponsored kids on my on my all ride program, I had this kid Austin that was in town, in Bend. He, unbelievable talent. I mean, the kid's so sick, sick of style, um, great on a bike, but he would never 
be a sponsored rider. He didn't know he he was not going to chase it. He's not going to do it. So I was like, here, I'm going to help. I'm going to sponsor you. I'm going to make you a sponsored rider. Carson Storch. Um, Carson Storch is in 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 town uh, in Bend. He was a kid that was on my radar to sponsor um, years ago. I didn't sponsor Carson. The reason I didn't sponsor Carson wasn't because he wasn't he wasn't talented is because Carson already had the, he, he already was collecting sponsors. He was asking me how to make resumes. He was already doing all that. So he, he, I knew he had it. I knew he was going to make it right. Cause he had great talent and he had drive. Austin on the other hand was like, Oh, I don't know. You got a lot of talent, but your drive isn't there and maybe you can do it. And I've seen a few Austins do it. But it's rare. It's, it's rare. rare huh? Super talented. It's really rare. If you don't have drive, I mean, I, it's that's that's where it's at. When I was a kid, my stepdad would come in and he would make me pull weeds, right? And I remember, remember these big things of weeds, and and I would be like, I'm gonna fucking pull these weeds as quick as I can just to impress him. And that was that was just something I had in me. I don't know why I was doing it, but I would sit there pull those weeds and get them all done. And I remember feeling so proud of like, oh, that's all cleared out. And I feel like that's where my drive, my that's why I continue to ride is because I wake up in the morning, I want to pull those weeds. You know, I want to do it just just I want to pull those weeds as fast as I can just to impress my stepdad or or someone else. So I I have this drive to put in that work. You know, if it's digging holes, digging jumps or building stuff like I do have a lot of drive. So I wouldn't even if I would. I, there are so many people that were so much better than me that I've met my whole life. Everybody I've ever met on a bike has been better than me. You know, it's for real. Like, I'm like, wow, like, dude, you're sick. I remember uh, this kid in the field doing bar spans and, you know, and I could do like all this other stuff. And I was just like, man, you are so good. I want to get that good. You know, so. I've always I've I've never been the guy that was the best that showed up to the trails. You've always been the underdog as well, huh? Yeah, and that's the thing is I'm like, oh, I know I could get there. I I I have a body, I have arms and legs and a head. I can I can do all that stuff. I just got to get to that point. So and it's you know even now like I'm I there's so many good people. I maybe there was a point where I thought I was the best, like maybe O two. That I was like, no way, nobody can. I'll I'll take everybody, you know. <laughs> I don't care even if I don't do your sport. I'll I'll do it. I can do it, you know. But but yeah, I I've always I've always really I've always felt like I I'm not the best, and I want to you know I want to I want to get to what they're doing. So it's that drive, I think. Yeah, and, and people that skills are like oh, i'm the best and then they ever they just but like, they don't nah, learn whatever. work ethic when you're the best from a young age it often happens you don't learn like sacrifice work ethic and like resilience like to be the top in any game or to get close to the yeah. top like you literally have to bash your head get up again bash your head get up yeah. again. and you physically have bashed your head broken ankles oh, man, like you, and you just get up and you just <clears throat> i want to learn this and, well, and that's right. well, you know i laugh at all these uh, how-to videos, like how to mountain bike, how to manual, and they got these fucking manual trainers and stuff. I want to take a manual trainer and put it on my bike and go down a trail with it just beating behind me trying to manual and stuff. <laughs> That'll like, be you're, awesome. I'm like, you're never going to learn a manual with a manual trainer. You got to go out and flip onto your back 900 times. I'm like, it's like 
I got on a Boca board and can balance so I can do a manual on a skateboard. Get out of here. Get out of here with all the people like all this coaching stuff, like the coaching stuff to me, it's, it's, it's a real big, especially if it's like these, you know, 30 minute videos of teaching you all this stuff. I'm like, dude, we're all like indoctrinated into this. We have to read and, and get told what to do. And when you're a kid, when you're babies, you don't tell babies what to do because they can't understand it. You just do it in front of them. I'm like, the only way people are ever going to learn is if you just watch, 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 watch. Well, and, and maybe do take the... little, one little piece of advice from things. Because I've, I've watched coaching. So I, you know, my, my ex-wife was a coach, all these people. I watched and I watched every year all these people come back. Nobody, it's rare people get better. They learn little tiny things. I think beginners are good to get coached. Beginners, like up your heels, drop your heels, do this, do that. You know what I mean? That's good. But after that, to watch a 40-minute video and sit there and take in all, in all the information and go, oh, cool, I'm going to do that next time on my ride. No, you're not. You got like – you have to like practice little things. Like it's so hard to learn without putting in a lot of work. Like you're not going to do a wheelie doing it five times and going, Oh man, that sucks. You got to do it 150 times over and fail and fail and fail. fail. Yeah. Fail to succeed. I hear you. Cause it's like, I could tell you how to manual and, but techniques only get going to get you so far. It's just like a bandaid. I could be like, okay, so you pull the bars up, to the point that you feel the balance point and then you pull your brake just to show you that it can come down. Cool. Now go yeah. do that so many times that it becomes subconscious. But that, you're it's, right, it's rips. And, and that's a weird, that's a great point, Voris. It's awesome. Like, I agree. Everyone that's a beginner, go for some like technical mountain bike coaching, but then also know you have to put in the work. You, you you can't that you can read the book and get the little nugget of like oh, okay i need to do x to be a great ceo but then you've got to go into the situation and practice that till it's subconscious and i think that is a big myth these days yeah of like how to's how to's are great but then nobody learns to do wheelie and, and come off the back of the bike they don't like jump off and let the bike go i'm like that's the first thing you gotta learn you gotta learn how to fail and go off the yeah, back because if fail constantly huh? trying just do wheelie you're never it yeah so some of the some of the coaching stuff i'm like i get it but then at a certain point how to's only work for us if you're building a chair because you can there's only one way to build a chair you drill a hole put the plug in but we move so much different it's so hard like cornering technique i see all this corner technique i'm like Sometimes you're in a corner and you're un, you're like so jacked up. I mean, I've been in the weirdest positions to save a corner that you can't teach somebody this. They have to get into that position and crash multiple times to learn how to actual corner. You yeah. know, and it's I I a lot of the it's, it's so funny how much coaching shit is out there. Like there's so much coaching, so much and it's all getting sucked up and all getting sucked up and I'm just like, "Man, you guys just need to you guys need to just take a little tip out of it and go outside and just do it yeah like i i hear you and, and when you're speaking i'm like how what we're we gonna leave the listeners with so like i got into golf after racing to you know learn something new a challenge i enjoy it fine but i enjoy the improving part and it's so frustrating because i will go for a lesson 
in, in golf and I get a technique. But I've even learned that he's describing something. I've got to, it's technical and I've got to learn what is the feeling to my body. So you can say, okay, drop your heels or hey, you've got to lean inside. But we've got to leave the listener with, okay, cool. Well, there's a technique to a turn, but then go out and get the feeling that you are weighting the inside of the tread. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. But I'm going to tell you that you must feel that the weight is there. How are you going to get there? Is it your hips that need to move more? Do you need to move your elbow? You've got to figure out. And then it clicks, doesn't it? So maybe we leave them with techniques, great. Coaching's great. But remember to go out there and, and, and feel your feeling out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and it, it does. It blows my mind. When I see... When I see new people that are in the sport or, or you know, if it's, a, if it's young kids that are shredding or if it's, you know, a, a woman that's killing it, I look at it and I go, you know how much stuff you had to go through to get to this point? I'm like, that's amazing. Like, that's, that's awesome. That's what I love about mountain biking. It is hard. And, and you know, for me, I, I, I hope I, I never have to give it up. You know, I want to do it for as long as I can. And, and um yeah, I'm just I'm just really stoked to be where I'm at and to be able to talk to people like you that are like, man, I'm so stoked of what you've done with the sport. That means so much because like I see what you've done and and these other guys and I'm just I'm like it's 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 unbelievable. It's unbelievable and I'm I'm so glad I'm part of of uh this tribe. Do you not get bored of it at all? You know, like sometimes I get bored of getting hurt. Bored of getting hurt. Yeah, there's so much stuff I want to do. There's so it's much so in my cool mind. so cool that you just... still, like, after this age, are not bored of riding a bike. I'll be honest, sometimes I get bored, but I guess I'm not challenging myself or thinking outside the box enough. So I think I'm going to take that away myself. And maybe the listener can as well. You know, there's always something new to learn on a bike. Now, once you hit 40, you'll go like, whoa, I'm back. I'm ready. When I hit 40, I was back. I'm okay. Ready. I'll phone you, phone you then. I've got a few more years to go. Not many. <laughs> Not many. That's crazy. I want to get back out. I had so much fun when I, when I came to South Africa. I, I want to get back out there and really, really, uh, really do it right. You know, have, some, have a good time. I stay can't a couple wait. Months. Let's, let's, let's make it happen. We'll definitely take this offline and, and see if we can make that happen. I can't have you on without... So for the listeners, I've brought up before, uh, we, we've lost a monk dog. He, he was one of your mechanics, yeah. great friends. Um, he's not with us anymore, but he was also someone that really was huge in the sport. I mean, he's left a big mark on the sport, one of the best mechanics out there. Have you got oh, yeah. some, some monk-anisms, monk stories? Like, well, I can't have you yeah. not and like, share some. I'll buy you a food, kick rocks. Uh, yeah, monk, monk, he was, he was a special guy. I mean, when I first met that guy, you know, he... He had a, a pump track at his house, and when I moved up to Hesperia um, and uh, was living in a trailer behind Colin's house, I would always uh, go over to Monk's, and he would tell me about BMX, show me videos. He showed me a video of uh, Todd Lyons doing a backflip at a race that he went to like a couple weeks before, and, and I was like, oh, I'm going to learn backflips, and that's when I learned backflips. And Monk just knew. Monk was just that guy that, you know, he was super into BMX, had scoliosis when he was a kid, and and, uh, you know, couldn't really, couldn't really become pro, but was really good. Like people don't know how good he yeah, was. He on was really good on a like, bike. Huh? Yeah, he was really good, but, uh, he was just a crazy, crazy fool, but, um, it was just nonstop with monk that fool. He would go to Europe and he would bring like Mountain Dew. Like he ended up dying of edema because he just never took care of himself. Well, too much sugar, too much. 
I mean, he would pound dews all day, Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew. Like, go to Europe, he would have like five liters of Mountain Dew. And Missy Joe would be like, dude, I'm paying extra for you to bring your Mountain Dew? Like, <laughs> he's like, food, man, the Fanta doesn't got enough sugar. <laughs> he's, he's a wild man. He was a wild man, but he did so much for so many riders. Like, I feel he's quite a, he was so selfless to his own detriment. Obviously, he's healthy, he could have looked after better, but he's always like, he was always at time, like, especially I was nobody when I went, first went over there, and he just took me under his wing. Like, he was so selfless to his own detriment almost. And he's a partyless rock star. He's the best, he, like, you know, you don't want that mechanic that's a rock star that's out every night, you know, because a lot of mechanics are partiers. You know, some of them would like, especially back in the day, those oh, yeah. dudes would get hammered as hell, come back and work on your bike. Monk wasn't like that. He's a, he's a fool in the corner, just like this with his hat all down and his mustache at the party. Like he never drank anything. You know, he was on dues. We would do do for brews. You know, we'd drink, we'd pound like a, a beer and he'd pound a Mountain Dew. And I've seen him pound like nine Mountain Dews in a row. I'm like, dude, like a wild man. But yeah, he was... I miss that guy a lot. He's yeah, awesome. he must mean like he must have meant so much to you though. You and you and Bailey, you guys were so close. Oh yeah, yeah. He was a fool though. He never listened to us. But no, he's as stubborn as they come. We try to get him healthy and do stuff. We got him out on his. Yeah, he was stubborn as shit. I remember. I, he's badass. I, I love. Him. I drank one of his dues at U.S. Open, and I happened to have a good race, so I thought that was the hot ticket. So I also took some dew over to Fort William. So I'm just as guilty as Monk. Yeah. Well, another another funny monk story is we were at a, a race in uh, this was probably like '95, and um, I'd always mess with monk. Like I'd wrestle him and stuff. Come in and he, you know, he's we'd everybody would fuck with monk. Well, I come in in the morning. This is when we're all on Yeti, and uh, he's cooking some eggs. You know, and you know this is me, big ego time. I was like, yeah, I'm the man. You know, Yeti, I'm coming in. And I come in and I slap his hat off of his his head because his hair would fly up. You know, just fucking with him in the morning. Yeah, I'm up. Boom. And I hit him. And he turned around and smacked me with the spatula in the forehead. This is before like a Norba National. He went whack. And it split my forehead. And blood's coming out. Like, Dude, what are you doing? What are you? And I run back in the room. He's like, keeps cooking his food and shit. Don't be fucking with Monk. Like, dude, split my forehead. Oh, I had like a, oh my God. Like, Monk. You didn't mess with Monk. He didn't. No, you he, could, he didn't. if you pissed him off good enough. Oh man, it wasn't good. But yeah, I, I just had to hear some stories from you, and they're they're so good. But it makes me think about how you've got through life. Like without humor, it just seems like you wouldn't have survived. And it, I've heard you say that a hundred percent. You were just a funny man from the get go. Where did you? Where did that come from? Oh, uh, just uh, yeah. My grandmother was a bartender, so I knew all the best jokes when i was like you know a little kid yeah so and i grew up around a lot of funny crazy people like just wild you know and and when people people on drugs are kind of funny yeah i was gonna say like you've had this crazy and people could look at it like scary childhood but at the same time like you've really seen some shit of like okay how not to act but yeah i mean they are i mean it makes you do some stupid funny shit no we're not condoning it sorry just as a PC, no, like no, it's just, it's just wildness. This. I've always, I always just had fun when I was a kid. It was that was it. It was all about fun. It still is. I still try to have as much fun as possible. I don't need coffee. I wake up, but pumped. <laughs> like, 
like I'm I'm wide open all day. So yeah, between you and Cam McCall, like I just when I'm around him, I'm like, holy shit! But I mean, Dude, Cam McCall reaction, he's wild. He's Cam McCall in balance. He's wild. <laughs> he's a kid that needed the ADD pill when he was a kid for sure, for sure. I was like on the verge, but he definitely needed it. You two are so good. I can't wait to see you guys go again because I love I love watching the dynamic between. You know, when you got to do the crankwork stuff, like it's so good because you're like, you're that classic, you're that classic announcer, like very detailed, like your voice, it, it, your voice, everything goes very well with, with writing. And, and Cam is, is, is that other guy, you know, that other fun part that has that, um, um, He's like a newer style of a... Yeah, yeah. He's got a role and he naturally can play it so well. You give that, that F1-like style, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, I really feel like your voice and, and how technical... And you've always been that way. You've always been really... You're funny and you're a smartass. <laughs> yeah. You don't really show a lot in there. You really don't, which is good. You just keep it as this, hey, this is my job. I'm here to show you the technical part of it. And then having, you know, in the in the World Cups, like when they put Elliot in there, like it all works out. I think I think mountain biking, we got a really good thing going on with the announcing and the information we're getting. You guys you guys do a really good job. I appreciate it, man. I wanna I wanna grow it and fuck the the races, they the they the stars. They they deserve the stories to be told and like you say, the technical side. There's so much that's so technical and I really, yeah. really appreciate that. Kurt, have you would you say you've finally found your niche in mountain biking after forty six years? <laughs> Like it seems like you're in a good yeah. place now and so motivated to ride your bike and that's kind of how why we all started. I think I've always been in this position because like if and the only reason people like in the pits I would always do the things I do on on the on you know the Instagram doing the wheelies and the little dumb stuff. So I think I've always been there, but now I feel like it's under my control and I feel very satisfied. I don't feel like I don't feel like oh. You know, I don't have any regrets. I don't have any like, oh, I should do this or that. Now, I, I mean, I, I can do it, you know, if I need to. So I feel I'm in a very, I love my spot right now. I really do. I really do. I love mountain biking, everything. All the bikes, everything is so good. All the riders, it's, it's awesome. There's nothing, there's nothing lacking in it. And without any regrets, because I don't really believe in those. They kind of shape us. But <laughs> this will be fun with you. Could you give your 20-year-old self some advice and your 30-year-old self some advice, like if you could have done that, what, what would you have said? Um, I, I look back and I feel like I did everything to what I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have any advice for me except for just don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, don't worry about it because, I mean, I am worried. I'm, I've been always worried of not being sponsored and always worried of not being in this position, always worried like this is what I want with my life. This is what I, I want to be seen as this guy. You know what I mean? Like I have I can I can relate a bit on like the anxiety of it. I don't want to be seen as anything else. I don't want to be Kurt. I want to be that. I want to be the bike rider. You know what I mean? That's. To all the kids, like everything, I want to be that guy. And even if then, you know, sometimes I'll like be like, man, maybe I'll even do it even if I'm broke and I'll be the dude that, 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 you know, dude that would ride around town on his bike doing wheelies. 
and he's homeless or you know what I mean? Like I always want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like that guy that loves his bike, but that's that authentic. Bike. you know what I'm saying? Like I'm afraid not to, I'm, I'm afraid to be a carpenter or something else. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm, I have so vested, I've have so much vested in this that it is kind of like, Oh man, what do, what else do I want to, do like even with other sports like you're saying golf like i would love to take up another sport but i'm like i can't i'm so like you know like i'm so focused on this that i can't see myself going all right well i'm gonna take up i'm gonna get rc plane and do that or you know what i'm saying like like so what is a bikes your hobby still is your hobby like you don't have it is yeah even when i'm hurt i don't do any like i draw and do stuff like that but it's not like i'm like I need time away from my bike. You know, I'm like, all I need the problem with having a bike is that's your recovery too. You know what I mean? If you get hurt, they say, ride your bike. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, I, do you know what I do on a bike? I used to have so many of those talks with doctors. They're like, yeah, you can ride again. I'm like, what type of riding? No, like, you know, like spin, it'll be good for your knee. I'm like, okay, you need to clarify, stay on the road. Yeah. Have you, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you I, would a hundred percent be popping wheelies and and shit, even if you didn't have money or didn't have sponsors. Like that's why you're authentic and funny, and it shows in your in your shit. Oh, that's why my mom. My mom's like, "Oh, when are you gonna stop doing the? You just when are you gonna stop getting hurt?" And I'm like, "Mom, you realize I'm gonna get hurt. If I was at a job site, I'm gonna do something stupid for the people that are there." <laughs> You you'd be the guy that stood on a nail gun. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Watch me hammer my balls into this two by four. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm gonna do something. You would. Happen. What's okay, hang on, hang on. Fuck we will start winding we gotta wind this down, but I obviously made some notes and I'm like, just tear that up. But I did wanna ask you, what's like what's one of the dumbest things you've done? You're like, Kurt, if you look back, you don't have to say don't do it, but like Fuck, good. That was dumb. Oh, there's so many. When you when you hit your head in the dark, like when you're falling in the dark and then you finally hit your head on something, it's like, dong, you see the light? Those are the worst. You just fall off of something into the darkness. But what was the situation? Like, oh, oh. like what was what was the situation or you can't remember? Oh, many of those. Well, just, or like, run, you know, you're running running from security and you hop up uh like a six foot brick wall and it's a it's a eight to ten foot on the other side or you know what i mean like just yeah those those kind of stuff things you know i i don't know i've had a lot a lot of my dumb mistakes are a lot of times when i do something dumb it's because i i i I just go for it. You know what I mean? Something, everything's all like I'm flustered or something and I just do it anyways and then I get hurt. So those are the, a lot of dumb mistakes. But if you if you hesitate too much, you're not going to try half this shit though. Yeah. Yeah. No, true, right? But I think yeah. riding your Z50 <laughs> motorbike without a helmet's pretty dumb. Like that's not great. Yeah, we've yeah, I've had a lot of good ones like that. Anything. I look back at all the helmetless stuff. Now I got, man, I always have to put a helmet on. But when you don't have a helmet on, I think you protect your head a little bit more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't, I can't condone that. Dude, once I put a helmet on, dude, I start driving my head into the dirt. It's, I don't know what it is. I'm not telling people not to wear helmets. But as soon as I put a helmet on, that's when I started hitting my head. You are not helping the youngsters of today. 
<laughs> no, wear your helmet. Definitely wear your helmet. Oh, my yeah. goodness. No, this has been awesome, man. Yeah. I'm so stoked. I'm stoked to where you're at. I'm stoked that you're you're still doing it and you you, you know you're still inspiring people through writing if it's you do through um your instagram or whatever it is doing videos i mean even being on there just telling people about the old school you know what i'm saying like when you're when you're announcing and and you give that little perspective that's that's rad dude i appreciate that so much and uh i appreciate your time your honesty your candidness your you've inspired me my brother, like I said, I get you know, I just get a text from him. He's like, no way, could tell him he's the man. Tell him I say hi, and I'm like, you know, like he's stoked on all the guests. Don't get me wrong, but there's just the level of enthusiasm. So, thanks so much for your time. Keep doing you and where. I mean, they can obviously find you, Kurt Vores on Instagram. I know the handle's something else, but yeah, Kurt I mean, Vores all right at Instagram. Yeah, that's the easiest place to follow line. Yeah, I don't really do much YouTube stuff. Maybe maybe in a while, but. Yeah, I just try to keep it simple. Yeah, man. So, guys, send Kurt some messages, comment on those pics, send us or send me a message what you thought about the episode. And uh, Kurt, big big up. Let's let's get you to South Africa. So uh, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll do a GoFundMe page through the podcast or something if you guys want to. <laughs> yeah, we got I got some videos coming out. I got, I got some Niner bike videos coming. Some Fox stuff. New Fox uh, edits going to be pretty funny that we just did. So. A lot of really cool stuff out there, and and um, yeah, hopefully you catch up, man. I I uh, I want to get a good ride in sometime if you're out this way, or um, man, hopefully I can get up your way. Be nice. I will. Likewise. Thanks again, Kurt. And guys, follow along on his Instagram. You get all those edits. You will not be disappointed. Cheers. Yeah, hugs and kisses. Woo! <laughs> Take it easy, man. And one last thing before you guys go: if you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. Make sure you subscribe, leave us hopefully a five-star rating and review. I read all those reviews. It's awesome getting them. If you've got any feedback, you want to send me a message, I get all those messages. I try to respond to them all. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun journey so far. So until the next one, stay well.